Hello and welcome to It Came From New Jersey podcast. We talk about music from New Jersey, album by album. Um, I'm Pete, and I'm here with your other host, Bob. What's going on, Bob? Not much, buddy. How are you? I am all right. Um, You know, we've been talking about records that I haven't been as familiar with, but I'm actually pretty familiar with this one, so uh, I'm kind of excited. You know, sometimes it's it's nice to have kind of a, a softball. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Well, well. So your softball is is a uh, a new pitch for me, so I'm excited about it. But um, but yeah, it, it's interesting the flow we've been doing. Just kind of like to pull back and behind the curtains, we've been doing sort of just kind of ad hoc. Like, hey, you want to do this record? Yeah. Oh, hey, we haven't done anything like this. Let's do this. Oh yeah, sounds good. Have we been missing anything, or do you think it's been a good mix of Stuff we know, stuff we didn't know before, stuff we love, stuff we've been super familiar. Is there anywhere that do we have any blind spots yet? I don't think so. I think we've done a pretty good job at mixing it up between things that we're really familiar with and completely unfamiliar with. Um, you know, and just to pull back the curtain a little bit, I mean, you know, a lot of the decisions happen obviously just between you and I. Um, but then we're also, you know, every time we put up a poll on, you know, Instagram, Twitter, um, every time we, you know, ask for any sort of feedback or receive any sort of feedback, like we're taking notes, you know? So, um, I know that there are a ton of records that we've heard a lot of requests for, like all that stuff is being heard, you know? So everyone should know that. Um, oh yeah, so let's do that right now. So if you feel like you haven't been heard, you should email us at <laughs> it came from njpod at gmail.com. And you can hit us on social media at at it came from njpod. Um we're on Facebook, Facebook Instagram, Twitter. Instagram, Twitter. Very good. Um, Yo, uh what record are we doing today? Today we're doing the Feelies Crazy Rhythms. Okay, so I'll start with my experience on this record. Okay. Uh none. <laughs> okay. Any, no experience. any familiar with the feelies at all? Knew the name. Okay. Knew the name. Didn't know they were from New Jersey. So that can tell you how much experience I had with it. Okay. Cool. How uh, about you? So um, I was introduced to them probably 15 years ago now. Um, I was playing in a band at the time who one of the members really, really, really loved the feelies, um, and played the album, the good earth, which is their second LP. Oh yeah. Um, endlessly in the van to the point that I think it caused arguments. Um, really? Yeah. So that was my introduction was that album, which I, I really love and, um, might be my favorite feelies record, but you know, we'll talk about that another day. Um, that being said, this album is a very different feel to their second album. So, um, this had never been really my, my go-to feelies. Um, so I was actually kind of excited to talk about this one as opposed to the ones that I'm like hyper familiar with. Sure. Sure. Um, but I definitely knew of the band. I, I saw them live at rough trade in Brooklyn, maybe three or four years ago and they were great. Okay. Um, I keep up with their albums. They, they still put out an album every couple of years, they're one of those bands that are super consistent. Every record I think is worth, worth, worth checking out. Um, but this is kind of a different vibe from all of their other stuff. And the one that I probably revisit the least, which is probably blasphemy for a lot of Feelys fans, because this is, I think the one that people probably talk the most about. 
but yeah, all that being said, very familiar, um, but not as familiar with this album in particular. Yo, so, so here's my question for you, um, because you gave the personal experience story. Let's dig into that a little bit. Was it this record that was played in the van so much, or was it another? No, it was the second album called The, the Good Earth. Yep. The Good Earth. What, what, why was it played so much? Tell us about the arguments. Everybody likes to hear about arguments. <laughs> so it was played a lot, I think, because it was, it's really easy to listen to. I mean, it's this album, Crazy Rhythms, is like much more kind of uptight and like it has a really kind of wiry, like post punk feel to it. Yeah. Um, the Good Earth, there's a lot of acoustic instruments, the vocals are like, buried deep in the mix so they're almost they're almost indecipherable half the time um it's a really easy record to listen to there's and it's just it's a really pleasant record i mean it's it's a good like record to listen to if you want to mellow out a little bit you know for sure it still has energy but it's it's just it's like low-key um the reason i think arguments were caused is because not everybody wants to listen to that type of album all the time <laughs> endlessly, especially when you're driving like late through the night and you're responsible for staying awake. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so when you have someone telling you like, no, let's just listen to the good earth again. You're like, uh, you know, I could use something that might, that I might be more familiar with or that might keep me awake a little bit more. Um, <sighs> you know, so these things happen. I mean, my rule is if you're driving, you should be able to choose the music at a certain oh, point. Oh, you know? 100%. So no, that's that gotta was, be the that, rule. that was part of the, uh, part of the dispute there. So look, here's, here's the, the rules of the van. Um, whoever's driving picks the music. If you've been the driver of a van on a four plus hour drive, you understand why. Because it's, and if you've been the driver of a van, any point after the sun goes down and you have hundreds of miles in front of you, you understand why. Yeah. Because you're doing the work while everyone else is even even in the time before cell phones and being able to fuck around and just do whatever. If you were in the backseat, you were you had the option to go to sleep, you had the option to chit chat, do whatever. You weren't also driving. The driver has to has the cruise. The only person who maybe has input, and this is on the driver's discretion, should be the shotgun, the the uh, co-pilot. Um, those are the two people who should be controlling the stereo at all times. I agree. It's you know anything beyond that is purely at their uh, at their discretion. Like oh hey, you want to put on somebody else want to put on a record? Frequent refrain because guess what? It gets tiring picking the music but they also have veto power. I think that's just the, that should be the rule of the road. I agree. So with that said, um, you knew this record, you knew this band. I didn't. So going into this, the record cover, um, I'm trying to go into what my expectations (laughs) were, all that, right? Yeah. It's sparse. It's blue. It's, uh, you know, for for somebody who's of our age range, you'd be like, "Oh, it's it's like a, a a prehistoric version of that Weezer record, the Blue Album." You know, yeah. Um, which you know, you can see the the visual similarities. So, shout out to the Feelies for doing it first. Um, even though I can think of many records that use a similar homage, like there's one Willie Nelson record that's he's it's more portrait mode, 
but it has a very similar kind of burnt blue background. Oh, I know what you're talking about. You yeah. know which one I'm talking about? Yep. And I'm like, oh yeah, like it's it's interesting how striking contrast the solid color on a record cover can be behind a band or artist or whatever. So um, so shout out, I actually really liked it. I got the distinct feeling this was going to be a well, one, it's going to be a rock record. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but I wasn't sure. I wasn't. I was like, is this going to be synthy? Is it going to be kind of like like it didn't feel big production it feels very low key but the name the feelies also if if i hadn't seen the record cover the name the feelies would have made me think you know quite honestly like pop punk mm-hmm. and this band is decidedly not that so um so i was actually pretty pleasantly surprised by the contrast and difference in what had i not had i i looked at the record cover but if I had just known the name, I would have been like, oh, is this going to be like kind of whiny? Like, like you could have been like, oh, the feelies. They're sort of like screeching weasel. And I would have been like, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, that sounds right. But I'm very pleased to report they are not. Um, so that said, um, did you have any expectations as a repeat listener going in on this being, you know, a recent re- revisit? It's one of those records that I've actually wanted to revisit for a long time, so I was happy to have an excuse to do it. Um, I always wondered why, you know, I think generally, when, like I mentioned, when you read about the feelies, people are going to mention this record over anything else. Um, but for me, the good earth was always the go-to. So I was like, you know, just really interested in seeing, like, what am I missing here? Um, which... I think I, I get it now. Um, okay. Am I still going to go to the good earth? Yeah, probably. But okay. um, I get why people are kind of crazy over this record. Okay. Let's, let's dive in. Um, my first impression, let me just say this. Yeah. I really like the record. Cool. And I was not sure I was going to. Um, and I'm not sure if 20 year old me would have liked it as much as I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of makes sense. Yeah. It's very sparse. Um, and my note that I put was post-punk dot, 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 kind of. <laughs> uh, because it feels sort of like, it has this interesting energy where I was like, man, does this, do, do, do you, how familiar with Wire are you? Pretty familiar. Okay, the second record, what's it called? Chair... Uh, Chair's Missing. Chair's Missing. There was elements of that record here, but I was like, "That's it's not exactly it. Yeah. And there was elements of other stuff that I heard, but I was like, this doesn't... This is... Like, if I was going to label it something, I'd say post-punk, maybe even like if there was such a thing as post power pop, it's there because it's not, it doesn't have those uptempo moments that I think of with like, when I think of a classically power pop song. Yeah. But what it, what it really made me think of was like, this feels sort of like it's reacting to a lot of that stuff and it's, it's aware of it and it knows it, but it's sort of like bouncing off that energy of what's going on, but not necessarily trying to be a part of it. Yep. You know, um, and the comparison that I made in my head was like, 
the Smashing Pumpkins in the 90s. Were they a grunge band? I mean, uh, no, yes, you know? <laughs> like, they kind of were, were doing something in a similar space and sonically kind of hitting a lot of the same notes, but not the same way. And it almost felt like, oh, you're doing that? Well, we're going to do this. Yeah. And it's like similar spatially, but not trying to be the same, if that makes any fucking sense at all. No, I think it makes, I mean, I, I think like, where are you going to put this record in the record store? It's going to go in like the kind of post-punk category. If you have one, it's going to go with right. like wire and joy division and, you know, new order, yeah, new right. order, all these things. Um, but to your point, does it really sound like that? Like, uh, no, that like, was the thing I was listening to. I went through and like pink flags, the wire record. I know the most. Yeah. I was like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, uh, uh, and I went to chairs missing. I'm like, Oh, okay. There's a couple moments midway through this record. And it's like, definitely not like the later wire material where they start pulling stuff in. And there's, there's ideas on this record that remind me of some of the Colin Newman solo material. Sure. Um, that we'll get to, and I'll, I'll talk about that more specifically, but, but I was like, no, it's not that. And then there's moments on this record that, almost hit me as buzzcocks ish sure but they're not totally there and i'm like oh fuck, what is this there's there's musically comps that i would say it almost feels like a band of guys who's like hey let's do let's do a post-punk band but but not nearly as driving and let's replace some of the more up-tempo stuff with with what i, I would call pleasant droning and uh, and taken more elements of like sort of the like mid to late seventies Bowie material mm. uh, without the spaciness, you know. Sure. Yeah. Um, and and like, well, so that's some of my initial feelings. I, I was like, and I was super impressed with how it pulled it off and maintained my attention. Yeah, which I think is a big uh, a big token for all those notes I just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, it definitely flies by. I listened to it a few times. Um, and I don't know. Um, this might um, be a record that I'm okay with the length of, but we'll get there. Yes. Um, the energy is definitely, they keep the energy up the whole album. It's like super frenetic, like 95% of the time. Right. Um, but like, with, with like, like, here's my question for you as, as someone who's a drummer. I count like maybe two tracks that have like driving drum parts, like driving beats, you know? Yeah. Otherwise, tempo wise, they're doing a lot of different stuff, percussion to keep things, like you said, frenetic, but there's not, there's very infrequently like a like typical up tempo or even mid tempo pushing beat. I mean, I don't, is there like one symbol on this entire album? Like, I, I feel like the <laughs> Yo, whole, there might not be good. Good Lord. Yeah. I mean, but that's the whole thing. I mean, I feel like they were definitely doing something. Uh, what's the one song? Um, I wrote it down. I think forces at work. Maybe there's some symbols on there. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. No, I mean, there's definitely symbols somewhere, but they were like, we had to I, think about it. It has to be intentional that they were like, all right, let's use every other form of percussion and get rid of most of the symbols. Because I think like to your point, I feel like, early Buzzcocks material, for example, has the same sort of frenetic energy. Yep. Um, but 
it's done in an entirely different kind of way, a more traditional kind of like rock and roll way, I guess. Um, oh, yeah. where, whereas this is like a lot more experimental and, you know, they're trying to, trying to get a little weird, but also, you know, maintain that energy. Well, structurally, before we move forward on that, cause I, that's a great point. Structurally, like the Buzzcocks is a rock band's rock band, right? Like they're hitting all the, like they're, they start to sway and go through some different places. But like, if you listen to singles going steady, there's such traditional forms to it and they yeah. hit these points and the energies like I, I would like to spend some time at some point talking about the buzzcocks because I, I fucking love them. Oh, sure. But but that's such a good point to make is the feelies are like, yeah, how about that? But but not like we're not going to use any of those forms that you what do you mean? Like verse, chorus, verse. Uh, no, no, no. We're just going to flip it around and they still do that stuff. But the pace, tempo and timing of it is so it's just a different different stadium you know? yeah totally like it i mean i guess we already were, we're touching on this a lot but like i'm thinking of other bands like the dream syndicate magazine orange juice you know obviously wire like yep. they 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 belong in that category because they're closest to those types of bands but at the same time like i feel like they're pulling from the velvet underground and like lou reed's like vocal delivery more than a lot of things uh, um, so yes and this in a weird roundabout way gets me to this point. There's like this jangly guitar that's kind of, um, it's a part of the music, but it's entrenched in this stunted rhythmic repetition. Mm -hmm. And because of that, when I think jangly guitar, kind of Lucy guitar like that, it's easy to fade like, Oh, sixties, you know, like, like sixties pop rock kind of things. And like, this is a, a record that halfway through has a Beatles cover on it. So, you know, but this doesn't feel particularly sixties to me. No. You know what I mean? Like, and that, that, that triggered this whole thing to me. Like, well, why doesn't it? Because then I, then I re-listened to some of the songs. I'm like, okay, like I can see that now I can hear it, but they're not, it's kind of what I, I, I think I posed it to you. I was like, it made me think of the difference between um, inspired by or imitating, mm -hmm. you know, um, or kind of the idea of like, we're going to go in the same direction as this, but we're not going to use the same thing going, going off themes as opposed to using the same themes is how I put it. Right. Um, and I think you're right. Like there's a lot of those kind of like, they're taking a lot of different little little tricks of these, uh, you know, a myriad of rock bands, but almost like reducing them down, stripping them down to their most concentrated form and then yeah. implementing it, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, and in terms of taking from 60s rock, like I feel like, it, is it a rock record? Like technically, yes. But right. there's like there's like no swing, there's no looseness to it. It's like no. the most like buttoned up record of all time. <laughs> Yo, that's that stunted rhythmic stuff. It's very buttoned up. Great term for it. It's um, and I I use the term pleasant drone. So I reference that song uh, forces at work. Yeah. The last three minutes of that song are this kind of it's a drone. It just is repeating 
the same part over and over and over and over. And they, they change it up in the last minute a little bit, but mm-hmm. like in that drone way where it's like, okay, after, after 16 uh, repetitions, we're going to add this and then do that for another eight, you know, cycles. And it's, it's like, what? And you just don't, you don't hear that in music like this very often. Right. And it's at the same time, it's not, um, it's not, it's, it's pleasant. It's also kind of, uh, glowing and, and tuneful in the repetition, which is not something I think of when I think of that drone. And that's why I was saying it's kind of a pleasant drone, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I hear that a lot. Um, all right. So how do you want to move forward with this? Um, I mean, yeah. So, so uh, with all that said, well, let let me actually here, let yeah, me say go, please. So, uh, so while I was reading about all this, Glenn Mercer, um, who I think is one of the only original members, I think they have two original members at this point. Right. He said, and this is a quote: "The sound we were after was a reaction against the punk scene." Being a little older, we felt it had all been done before. We wanted the guitars to be cleaner, and we started experimenting with a lot of percussion. So, yeah, I mean, a lot <laughs> oh, of that's okay. like, really <laughs> like, like, yeah, um, hit the nail on the head with that one. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting that it's a response to punk. I mean, because it is, like, there's no real, like, emotion here. It's really just, like, you're playing, like... I don't know. It it almost it feels robotic half the time, and it feels like whatever, whatever the vocals might be, whatever the lyrics might be, like he doesn't really want you to understand what he's talking about, or even have you hear the words coming out of his mouth. You know, no right. Whereas um, punk, I feel like that was a, a huge part of that. You know, yeah, they, they actually want, wanted they want you this, to get the message. They want this active engagement with it. Um, yeah. No, you're totally right. There's only a few mo- moments on this record where I feel like there's an emotive element. Um, strangely enough, during the song Moscow Nights, which I think is like uh, the sixth song on the record, yeah, there's a, a couple moments where vocally I'm like, oh, okay, oh, you're feeling the song, actually. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say, like, I actually appreciate the vocal style on this record. I think it's got its own thing going on. But that's... Um, it does feel very arm's length. It feels yeah. a little bit out of touch and, and um, that sort of stranger element can really put people out on a record for sure. But, but I think this record it's, it's like, it's safe to say this is a really odd record. It's super odd. I mean, I think crazy rhythms is a really apt title for it. Cause it's full of uh, a lot of different rhythms. Yeah. Um, like you can t- tell they're, like very intentionally testing some different stuff out going through this record. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, to your point, there's like no hooks, there's no harmonies. So if people are getting into music for like, you know, the sing-alongs or whatever, this is like most definitely not there for them. No. At the same time, like, um, I think we mentioned in the Yola Tango episode, we did that George and Ira or, or, uh, sorry, um, uh, Georgia and Ira from, um, Yola Tango met at a Feely show, um, right. so to me, it's like, um, the influence that this record and this band had on musicians, yes. I think at the time and still probably currently, um, is, is there and kind of obvious because they were 
really pushing the envelope in a lot of different directions and doing a lot of weird stuff that had, you know, been toyed around with before by other bands, but they have a sound, I think that's uniquely their own. Um, and I don't, I, I really can't think of a band that has done like a record like this since, um, it really sounds unique to me still. No, I, I really agree. And it, w- this is 1981, 80, I think 80. Wow. Yeah. So, I was going to say, uh, yes, I think it's, it's definitely an influential record in a weird way because, well, I don't know. Let's, let's put a pin in that because we should talk about it. Um, but, but I think this is a musician's record for sure, because I was thinking about someone who's got a more classically trained ear and how sometimes for somebody who has, who's classically trained in music, there's certain structures that you don't fuck with, you know, and there's certain repetition. There's certain things you would do in a song that, okay, maybe you want to be cute and take this out. Oh, I see what you did, you know, and they (laughs) are okay with that. But I wonder if this would either be a treat because they're being so playful with form or if it'd be like a listening nightmare. Yeah. You know, and there's a couple of guys I know who are younger, who are very classically trained and like, have a very distinct ear for that. And I, I kind of want to play this record for them and see and actually visually see their reaction to it. Cause it's almost like when you see someone doing math in their brain, they're like, wait, it does not compute. And, and how it, how it often spits out is oh, I don't like this. Uh, this doesn't sound good. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, but to me, I, I really enjoyed some of the playfulness because it is that rigid, weird, buttoned up, playful. What? How does that work? You know? Um, <laughs> but it's, it's sort of, this is, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I don't want someone to think that we're talking, this isn't some brutalist record, you know, you can listen to it and it's pretty tuneful and like there's, there's melodies and, and there's stuff you hear, but it's just not, it's, it's sort of out of the traditional sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know what? Actually thinking about some of the Yola Tango man- material, them being Feely's fans makes a lot of sense. For sure. You know, and, and there's a few others there. Um, I posed a question to you before uh, before we recorded and, and you kind of came back. So I want to go through that. I kind of said, you know, there's the stripped down rock thing. And I don't, there's not really a good name for it, right? Like this weird like embrace of oh, this is going to be the next big thing in the 2000s, whether it was The Strokes or, you know, leading into, I think the last gasp was Vampire Weekend. And that's the one that I think of more. Mm-hmm. But like, were those kind of bands aware of a, a record like the Feelies Crazy, Crazy Rhythm? Especially, you know, I actually went and was like, man, I never totally gave Vampire Weekend a chance uh, despite it being sort of catchy and like, you know, the stuff I've heard, I'm like, oh yeah, this is, I'm nonplussed by this, but I'm not offended. You know, this isn't bad. Sure. Um, especially the earlier material, but I was like, okay, that's, it is pretty stripped down and okay. I remember sort of jangly guitar, but it's so much more pop sensible. Like that is the sugar tooth version of anything that could have been touching the feelies. Mm-hmm. That said, does this record get, any mention as an influence or like, Hey, this is, this is an important band or a band people should check out even in the deep cut section of music. 
So I think in the deep cut section, it does, um, especially maybe over the last decade where I know that, you know, the albums were reissued and there was kind of a renewed focus on them. They, they put right. out new albums. They started playing some shows again and stuff. Right. So I think, I think that there has been a little bit of resurgence somewhat recently. Um, when you get to like, you know, the bigger bands that you're talking about, the strokes vampire weekend, I don't, I don't know that any, I don't, I, I definitely don't think that your average strokes fan is like digging no. into the crates and finding the feelies, you know, but, no. but then bands that um, are kind of on that, that other tier, you know, not nearly as big, but like, you know, really big bands like your real estate, for example. Yes. Like I know that they, and maybe it's a Jersey thing. I don't know, but oh, I, def- okay. I, I definitely feel like they are pulling from a lot of um, not, not necessarily this record, but the feelies overall, like they're more acoustic um, like the second record, third record. Okay. Um, so I definitely think it's in the kind of general consciousness at this point. Um, and if, if you're looking for the feelies, you're going to find them, but you know, have they, you know, yeah. On the level of the strokes and things like that, like people looking deeper into what the strokes were into, like, I think they're going to find that velvet underground and maybe stop there, you know? Yeah, no, I think you're totally right. And I, mean, and I don't, I don't that know that, sense, I don't know that the strokes guys would even mention them as a, as an influence. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah. it's weird. It's weird because that did, this record did take me to that idea is that like, so there's that surface level of like what actually hit mainstream in that time frame, And then <clears throat> Below that was a lot of stuff. Not not trying to do what like fucking strokes. Like I I, I like have a weird time even talking about them and that <laughs> shit. But like there was a lot of bands doing kind of a lo-fi or like really stripped down sound uh, everywhere. New York especially was a hotbed for it, and some of it was really good, and some of it was like clearly well thought out and like people who had deep musical. Uh, backgrounds so i wouldn't be surprised if there was someone somewhere who was like oh shit this could work but largely like kind of more to the point of what we're discussing this is a deep cut band this is a a record that i think most people are unfamiliar with and um and i understand why but i also am sort of surprised that more hasn't come to light on it because it does stand out i think after listening to it three or four times, I was like, oh, you know, this is this is really good. Like, this is a record I could see myself going back to frequently and actually, yeah. like, making part of my, like, listen. And there's a couple songs on here. I, I mentioned the song Moscow Nights, not to, to spoil <laughs> our track by track today. But yeah. I'm like, oh, this is this is a – let me throw this on uh, a playlist um, for, like, dinner time kind of shit, you know? Sure. So, Yeah, I mean, two, so two things to your point. Like – the first is, this is a band for crate diggers, pretty much. But I think that the the real importance of this band shows in their influence of their influence to other bands that got bigger. Like I'm thinking about Yola Tango, Guided yep. by Voices. Yeah, you know, basically any like indie slash college rock band of the '90s, um, late '80s, '90s, even into the 2000s. I think there are much bigger bands that most people, you know, most listeners of music might be familiar with who would note the feelies as influences, but they're not going to know the feelies specifically, you know? 
Um, yeah, totally. So that's one point. The second point is, why is that? I Partially, I think it's their fault. I mean, they never really toured that much. They were never super active. They were only putting records out every once in a while. Um, it really doesn't seem like they were all that interested in like being a bigger band. Right. Um, I mean, they, they, they had a go at a, at a major label. I think it was for the, the third album. Right. Um, only life. But, you know, I mean, it's one of those things like, it seems like when I saw them, they seemed very comfortable. And again, this was maybe three to five years ago. Um, it seems like they're a bunch of guys who've been playing together for a while now and, enjoy just kind of playing every once in a while and putting a record out every once in a while. And maybe that's all they really wanted from the, from the get, you know? So you know, like, God so, bless if it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I think they could have been bigger. I mean, I think they had a pop sensibility and they definitely had some, some catcher tracks, um, over the years, but I don't know, maybe they didn't want it. <laughs> right. And that's pretty cool actually. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, Pete, before we get kind of into track by track, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Because I think, I think we're actually going to have a fun go at this one with the, uh, you know, what are we keeping? What are we cutting? Yeah, definitely. Um, I just had one thing just in one of the articles that I found, um, there was an interview with Mark Abel, who was one of the co-producers of the record. Okay. Um, and he referred to them as the most obstinate people I've ever met. (laughs) (laughs) Which, which I just thought was so hilarious because it's like these guys obviously they like knew exactly what they wanted things to sound like and exactly how they wanted the songs to to be you know and yeah they would like not hear any other sort of thoughts on it which I think shows through like so strongly on this record you know yo what's so funny and I kind of love it I kind of love that energy is the idea of like these dudes sound feel buttoned up sound button up on the record and give the vibe that they know what they want to do and they're just going to do it. And if you're there too, that's just fine. But, um, here are our songs and we're going to play them the way we want to play them. Yep. And, uh, it's kind of nice to have confirmation of that. Yeah, it's cool. I like it. (laughs) All right. So let's, let's get, um, another kind of weird side note. I think, is it good earth that's produced by Peter Buck? Uh, yes. From REM. So, So that's another interesting note is I'd like to hear what the, I I bet these, these, this was a band who was on radar for people. People knew who this band was um, in the larger college rock, indie rock world um, in the early eighties, which kind of says something like, I don't think, I don't think Peter Buck's uh, producing the record if, if they didn't, you know, so that's kind of cool. All right, let, let's do this. Um, let's go back and forth. I'll, I'll I'll start the first one. You can name the next one. Cool. The Boy with the Perpetual Nervousness, opening track. So I don't think there's a better song title name than this. I feel like this is probably like their theme song. Um, you just look at the photo of them on the cover and they all look like the boys with perpetual nervousness. They may as well have called their band the boys with perpetual nervousness yeah. yo, yo by the way this just popped as i was looking at it. um on the spotify they actually have a behind the lyrics oh for this record which is really weird so uh, maybe we should have checked that out sure the boy with the perpetual nervousness embodies what fans love about the feelies well 
that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a keeper. It's it's great. Oh, it's great. Great, great way to introduce you to this band, the yep. whole thing. Yeah, good slow build into the beginning. Yeah, it's, it's good. Yes. Uh, Fossi La. Oh, um, I, I stole your thunder, sorry. No, no. Um, if this one, I mean, if this record has like a hook, maybe Fossi La is it. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, you know, it sticks in your head a little bit. It's it's more sing-songy, I think, than they get on the rest of the record. I mean, I think it's a great track. The interesting thing about this, though, if you listen to their first single, I think it came out in 79, yeah. Um on Rough Trade was was the Fosse Law single. If you listen to that version, it sounds more like a punk song than this version. Like they're they're it's really night and day the two different um recordings of this song. So I recommend anyone interested definitely like check out the other version and kind of compare them because it's it's interesting. Yeah, I'm actually very very excited to hear that. Um it's a keeper. It's a great song. And it's the shortest song. Like we should note the, the opener is a five minute long song. Mm-hmm. Fossi law is two minutes. Yep. Loveless love. Um, great song, really high energy. I really, really like the like weirdo ascending, descending guitar lead in the middle. Yes. Yes. Um, it's cool. Super memorable. Um, at this point on the record, I'm like, holy shit, this record's great. Like, how how was I not familiar with it, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, keeping it, you know? Uh, Forces at Work. Um, strong song. I don't have much to say on this one, but um, I, I don't know. I mean, this, just for, you know, the listener, this is the end of side A after Forces at Work, so. Yeah, four songs, but that's, this is a seven-minute song. Yeah. So people can put that together. Um, it's kind of crazy that it's a seven minute long song, but uh, yeah, does it, it does is. Does it feel like seven minutes to you? No, because the first, no, no, just plainly no. But the first half of it is like three and a half, four minutes. And it's sort of what you're getting, you know, jangly guitar, but then it hits that, uh, what I called the simple repetition into pleasant drone. Um, yeah. the final three minutes of the song just kind of go through this, but you really feel like you're working towards something. Also the note that this is the, the end of side a makes me very aware that these dudes were crafting an album. They're like, yeah. okay. And this song is going to, we're going to go through this, this repetition and it's going to close the side of this record, Yeah, you know? Um, and then I believe the next song is original, original love. love. Yep. Um, song. Uh, I don't have too much to say on this one other than I like it and it kind of flows in with the record really well. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I mean, we kind of already touched on it, but I feel like this record is a lot more about vibe than it is about songs standing out on their own. Totally. Um, I think it, it was crafted as an album. I think, you know, a lot of it, it, it really, the whole album breezes by for me and none of it feels like, you know, anything's any longer or shorter than it should be. But that's to say, you know, with the vocals being somewhat buried in the mix with the lack of kind of, you know, traditional hooks, some of it just goes by and like, it's a great listen, but um, there's not much to really talk about. I mean, the thing about this song, Original Love, that stuck out for me was just the drum breaks. There's like these really quirky drum breaks, which sound... The song doesn't sound like the Violent Femmes, but I feel like the Violent Femmes took a lot from the kind of like 
quirky energy of this song in oh, particular. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about that because well, I think the first Violent Femmes came out maybe two or three years after this. So yeah. Yeah. I, I Again, that. one of those one of those things where like I feel like the the DNA of this band is in a lot of bands, but you might not know it if you're not looking for it. No, and and it's. Yeah, you have to be very specifically looking for it. Yeah. Okay, the only song I'm going to cut off this record, uh, everybody's got something to hide except me and my octopus? Is that it? Or my <laughs> monkey or whatever it is? Yeah. The, it's a Beatles cover. Um, yeah. It's fine. They kind of give their own spin on it despite being pretty faithful to one of the oddest Beatles songs. Like, this is a weird Beatles song, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, me and my monkey. Uh, I just, it's fine. It works. But if I wanted to make this record a little shorter, which I do, um, I'm cutting that song. That's interesting. I actually, I love this cover. I think really? it's great. Yeah, I like. Maybe it's the fact that I just don't like the song very much. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I just, I feel like they take a song that everybody is hyper familiar with and make it like so uniquely their own. Um and I really, I like when bands do that because I think it's really hard to do. It's hard yeah. to do well. Um, like that manic cowbell is like, yeah, I, I listen to the drums. I'm like, this sounds exhausting to play, but like they fucking, <laughs> they just like go for it. You know, um, it's cool. I, I like it a lot. I'm cutting it. Um, Moscow Nights, as I spoiled, uh, I love this song. I feel like it's, you know, and that probably hurts. Um, the the cover is that i once i get to it i'm like okay i just want to get to the next song i really like it i feel like there's more emotional resonance in the vocals here than than previously displayed Mm -hmm. um maybe a little bit more uh simplistic in form than than some of what they're trying elsewhere but i i really like the song overall yeah i think it's a great song um and then it is uh raised eyebrows again this kind of hits into the vibe of the record whole thing more so than um it's standing out as it's on its own i I do really like the song yeah it's cool this is this is one that like somehow ends up getting stuck in my head even though it's like half instrumental and it's like really kind of like herky jerky weird energy on it yes so that 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 thank you for reminding me about that um it's I mean, it's going to sound weird. It reminds me of like, like Allman Brothers songs that are like mostly instrumental, but add so much to the the texture of a record. And and that's how I felt about this song is that it's the instrumental part of it is more memorable than the, the full, full band version. Like just, just the, the, first half of the song is really like, I mean, I think it's more like two thirds is really kind of catchy. Yeah, no, I agree. I like it a lot. And then, uh, crazy the rhythms, closer, crazy rhythms. Yeah. Um, this is another long one over six minutes. Um, but kind of breezes by, um, yeah. Right. Like, yo, we haven't talked about <laughs> here. We are sitting here. It's like, Oh, records are too long. Songs are too long. This record has, uh, five minute song, two five minute songs, six minute song, or, and a seven minute song. We're like, nah, keep them. Yeah, 
I think this might be the first record we've covered that I'm not cutting any songs. And I'm only covering cutting the cover. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. Um, very excited. Um, and, and a question that, again, this is I say this about different questions. Uh, oh, I'll cover both here. You're familiar with the feelies, so I'll ask this more in a, a hypothetical version for you, but for myself, I'll ask it as well. Um, if you had just heard this record, would it inspire you to check out more music by the band? I think it would, yeah. My answer is it's a solid yes. Like It made me very curious because I couldn't totally place where they were coming from. When you say that the single version of Fossi Law is more punk, I'm like, oh, that actually tracks. I'm, I'm very curious to hear that recording. Um, and then now, having heard it and really enjoyed this record, I'm very curious about The Good Earth. Um, so so it's, it's certainly um, <laughs> a, a record that is good enough just to go back for re-listen, but also inspire me to check out other music the band's done. And what else could you ask for? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> could this record come out today the way it is um that's a really good question right for this record for sure it's a weird so so my answer is i don't think this record gets made the way it sounds today yeah because it's so specific and there's a lot of of the time elements here mm-hmm. i just think the choices would be really different i can't even think of examples of bands doing what they do or what they were trying to go for because it's so specific. Um, and I don't think this record could have been made five years before it was made or five years after, you know, no, I agree. maybe that's, closer I five really years after, point. but, but probably not. Um, they are just doing stuff that fits uniquely up against. And like we we're saying, like uh, it's a reaction to, or is bouncing off of what was going on in punk and post-punk. That yeah. I'm like, I, I this is a post-punk record, but it's unlike everything else that sounds like post-punk, you know? Yeah. Yep. So. No, I'm with you. I mean, I I think it would sound really different if it came out now. I don't, I can't think of anything that's happening right now that even really mirrors this at all. No. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I think you're right. I don't, I don't know that it even could come out now. I mean it's so uniquely of its time. It's pulling from influences that like, you know, they would only be looking back at and towards in that moment, you know? Yes. Yes. Which yes. kind of shaped it. So yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Interesting timepiece, I guess in that way. Yeah. I think that's a great way to look at it is an interesting timepiece. And I think it actually, if you're a fan of any of the bands we mentioned here, uh, literally any of the bands we mentioned on this, um, but especially if you're into some of the more post-punk stuff, if you're into New Order, if you're into Joy Division, if you're into Wire, uh, you should uh, 110% check out this record because it kind of, it, it creates the counterpoint here, you know, point counterpoint. This gives you the other side of the coin. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. I was like trying to think of other stuff. And as I've been listening to this record this week, I was like, uh, you know, is there is there elements of this that remind it it, it? it kind of pushed me into looking at a lot of stuff that falls under that weird broad umbrella of, of music. And I was like, am I catching Nick Cave in the bad seats here? I'm like, no, no, not really. And I was like, is it birthday? No. I'm, 
so so this this record has a very unique place and i had a lot of trouble placing it uh or like giving good comps but i, I think we circled the wang- wagons pretty good here yeah no, i think so too i think um i'm excited to talk about more feelies albums um yeah. in the future so let's yeah. get one on the calendar let's do one in the not too distant future i'd like to follow it up because keeping the energy off of this record and kind of talking about what that meant falling into the next record. So let's, let's do good earth really soon. Cool. Done. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, all of the reviews that you're leaving, um, all of the feedback is great. Um, I hate to be this guy. Um, but you know, when you share the podcast, which some oh, of yeah. you do, it really, really helps. Um, oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. any shares on social, you know, just talking to your friends about it, you know, people that, are interested in music and want to, you know, like hearing people talk about music um, from New Jersey, not from New Jersey. We don't discriminate, you know, so uh, spread the word. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Five-star reviews and tell all your weird friends. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, guys.